All right, guys, welcome back to another Footy and Coffee Conversations. Uh, I am excited for my guest today. Uh, met him a long time ago when I was a young man. Um, been a mentor of mine through the years. Uh, just somebody I've looked up to in the coaching world of football, especially. Uh, if you want to just introduce yourself and say where you are coaching currently. Sure. What's up, Matt? Uh, my name is Nate Miller. I'm currently coaching at San Diego Loyal in the USL. Um, yeah, and times are different right now, but it's amazing to have my whole family here in San Diego, and we moved in January. So, yeah, good to be here with you. Good to have you. Uh, so, yeah, so Nate was my assistant coach in college for three years. So uh, a lot of his memories of me, I'm hoping, are different than who I am today. A lot of growing up into 18 to 20 years old so so hopefully me too, a little though, bit me too. <laughs> um, just to get started briefly talk uh, before your coaching career what what was soccer like to you growing up uh, what kind of were you doing as a soccer player sure yeah I mean it, it's also my just childhood not just as a player it was a bit different so I grew up in in Israel was born there so a lot of my football it wasn't really an education, but my football education was just street soccer. So that's kind of how I grew up playing. And so, um, yeah, I grew up in a few different countries. So I've had a lot of different experiences, learning different language, playing in different cultures, but moved to the U.S. when I was um, a teenage, early teen, so 13 in Pennsylvania. And so, um, and there obviously was before like, you know, club soccer, the academy was fully developed. So a lot of moving as a young man, a lot of playing in different cultures. And I would say, I never had elite coaching. So a lot of it was self-discovery. A lot of it was, um, yeah, playing on my unstructured environments or structured environments without any uh, like idea of how to structure it well. So yeah, and then, uh, and then for me, it was uh, moving to college. So Matt and I played at the same school, just in different eras at Taylor University. Um, and then after that, you know, it was interesting. I look back, I'm so, um, I tell players all the time now how fortunate they are. I think there's like, have to count exactly but upwards of 80 professional clubs in our country now and back then like MLS was like 12 teams and there was a handful of USL teams and so there was like 25 professional teams so you know it was like really tough then and so I um, I went straight and after college I went straight into I would say I was pretty burned out but went straight into a career in finance um, actually before I then made the switch to coaching and then you were my guinea pig classes right so you were my first <laughs> first team really was coaching and training um, so what what took you away from the finance world because obviously to go from the finance world to then an assistant coach at an NIA school there's obviously sacrifices that have to be made uh what was what was the uh the thought process behind all of that what was the conversation like with the wife yeah Wow, yeah, that's, um, you know, now I look back and it was just an amazing decision. Then I will say it was difficult, but I knew it was the right thing. I all, look, I always knew I I wanted to coach. I, I knew that was something, even as I was a player, I always thought, I think, more like a coach. I was always questioning, like, why do we this? Why do we do that? But when I was playing, it was still, I'd say it's the tail end of the culture where you could ask why are we doing that to your coach right like it was kind of the tail end of like you wouldn't just tell your coach like what the, why are we doing this um and so i was always very curious um but yeah i started in finance and i think 
you know, quickly. Uh, I mean, just more on a level, realized that making a lot of money wasn't going to drive me, wasn't what I was passionate about. And I just loved the game. I, I grew a lot as, as, a, as a human being, as a man through my playing career. And so it really became just, I knew I had to make that move, but it was a huge sacrifice. And I'm very thankful to, to my wife, Darcy, who, you know, we, we made a big move from Chicago then to, to Indiana to, to pursue a coaching career. And so it was a big risk, um, but I really, I do believe in taking risks in life a lot and just to um, not to really have a plan B and just to really pursue what, what I'm passionate about. And I know what I'm meant to do. So um, yeah, that was a, that was like a, definitely a watershed moment in my life and easy I think to create like a a narrative after the fact that you knew it would always work out but it's just not the case you just don't know that um and so I definitely like some long-term plan I was just pursuing what I love to do I know I was I was meant to do so what was what was the the first preseason like you come in you're a new coach I think we had 12 or 13 freshmen so maybe that helps we had you know a lot of guys not knowing what was going on but what was that like for you uh, dipping your toes into to coaching for the first time like that. Yeah, I, my wife knows this about me. I don't have an amazing um, memory. So I'm trying to like remember really, because you always remember it differently than it actually was. Um, I mean, I remember just like probably being like way overly confident that I didn't know. And not, now what you what I know is that like I'm always learning more and I'm always hoping, I hope like in five years from now, I'm a lot different than I am now. And so, but what I did have was just like, a passion to help players. I wanted to help players. I wanted to, to bring more organization to, to, to training, to the, maybe bring more professionals into everything. But um, for me, yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> you go into the unknown, you think you're way better and w- way more skilled than what you actually are. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh my goodness, you know? So, uh, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a great experience. And I'm really thankful to, to Gary Ross, who's the head coach there that just let me, you know, just cut my teeth and do a lot of training and do a lot of those things. So I think just being able to just be on the grass and, and learn through just executing was really important for me early on, like really, really young, being able to run, run a lot of training sessions, interact with a lot of different types of players was really good for me. Yeah, you had, you had a lot of hands-on in a lot of the different sessions that we ran. Um, was it, because obviously, you know, the, the head coach has a style of which he's trying to play. You're a young coach with a lot of ideas running the training sessions. Um, how, how challenging at times is that? And how kind of excited were you to get your own team to, you know, have your ideas put into play? Mm, yeah, that's good. So I think at the time, too, for me deciding to do this, I knew that, um, you know, G- Gary wanted me to have a lot of input on what we were going to do. And I think that there was a whole reason of why I came, but also I'm just grateful to him that he was so open. Cause I know a lot of coaches aren't, aren't like that. They just, um, they're closed minded. And so that was a real benefit for me that I think we both really benefited of, of you know, he, he has a, a very, his strengths are very much, um, tied to the human being aspect of it. And he's a great like life coach. He's, I would say very good life coach and has good vision and so um him bring me in to to focus more on how we were going to play and maybe game model and um and, and all those detail things that i think that like complement him well was good um but then you also learn because since this is the first time since then that i've been assistant coach and so it's been a while and so it, i've definitely gleaned off a lot of those 
just experiences and memories of like, you always have to honor your head coach. You always have to make sure that everything you're doing is, is pure in the sense that like, you're always carrying out the mission of, of the head mm-hmm. coach. And I learned a lot of those lessons or just, you feel that from being a head coach for, for quite a long time, you realize that you need people who are loyal, but the, who also push back, challenge you. But at the end of the day, when you leave the room, you're together. Like those are all smart, man. They know when, when there's a, they know when there's a little riff. And so that, and they, they can smell it from a mile away. That, that togetherness um, is something that like I, I had to work at hard and do really well and, 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 and coach with the right motives early on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you can call him an idiot in the, in the, the meeting room, but the second you get in front of the, the players, it's got to seem like it's your idea coming out of the mouth, even if you completely disagree with it. Yeah, for sure. As an assistant, you need to um, be totally comfortable. Like your job is to magnify the voice of the head coach, like it's his team. And so you need to, to make sure that you're supporting him and um, being comfortable with, you know, all your ideas being his ideas. That's something that's part of part of having a good staff, I think, is to go into into the roles and, and not worry about who gets the credit and do it in a really like um, humble way. Yeah. When you were at Taylor, um, during half times, you would lead the defensive conversation. Uh, and those were obviously some good memories with I enjoyed and I talked with some of the other guys on those defensive squads, how much we enjoyed those meetings. Um, how did you kind of get placed to work with defenders at that point? Was that more of an interest to you or was that just Gary wanted you to, to do that? Yeah, I think his, I mean, he, as you know, he's so geared to just attacking players and attacking mindset. So it was more, um, and that was for me because it, early on in my career, I basically had to dive really deep into those, those topics and, um, but as you know, like oh, everything and how a team plays is always interconnected. So it's not just defending and attacking. It's like how those are related to transitions. But um, yeah, I think that it was definitely more out of um, the necessity for me. To, it's not that like I chose that, um, but that was really, really good because it, it embarked like a, a long journey of me studying and, and just try to, to become the possible coach in the defensive phase, especially, you know, defending your own box, defending your own goal. Um, so yeah, that definitely helped me. Um, I mean, we had a couple, you know, we had especially one team that was an amazing defensive team that you were the central part of. And so, um, those are great memories because, um, you know, it, you realize there, you don't always need like just the very, very best players to be a great defensive team. You need a couple and then you need a lot of, uh, you need players who just are intelligent that know their role and you need compliment skill sets and so yeah those were great but I honestly I learned mostly from I say this to people all the time I've done a few of these podcasts and it's just I've people ask like who's who's been so formative for you it's been my players I've learned so much from my players over the years um, and they have been um, I'd say really impactful people who have helped me see the game differently yeah um, so then you we have a lot of success at Taylor during your years. You obviously rightfully so get um, some credit for that. I mean, there's a big shift in the the culture of Taylor soccer than what's ever been there before or past then. Um, That leads to you getting your first head coaching gig, unfortunately, a rival school. Uh, What was, what was that like to get that first phone call and that opportunity? Um, 
how how excited were you to embark on on that journey? Yeah, so there was a few things going on at the time, and it had to be the right time and the right place. Um, but really, I mean, and and Gary knew this. Obviously, this was my plan all along. I was going to make a career of this. This is just something I was just doing just for for you know for fun. And so, um, yeah, I think it was the structure at Spring Arbor where I went to had a really good like base structure to have a good program, um, new facility, like a really good environment to do it in, but the culture was very broken. There was a lot of things wrong. And so it was honestly for my skill set, it was the perfect time, although I was 26. So in reality, like way too young to be a head coach. Um, but I'm glad like I didn't understand like how like difficult some of those things would be <laughs> then because they, they were very difficult and you just learn so much through struggle. Um, and many times I felt very isolated on an island, but at the same time I did go in with a clear vision of how I wanted to run a program. Now that always evolves and changes as you grow and get better. Um, but there was an exciting time. It was very, very exciting. But then right when I got there, I, I would say like a lot of fear set in and I needed a lot of people who supported me, um, to help me and, and, and help me through those, those times. But fortunately over time, it really worked out and, um, some of my best coaching memories and just life memories came from that time yeah i'll i'll never forget the uh the conversation when our team gets called into the meeting room and that gets <laughs> dropped on us that you're going uh that sticks clearly in my mind even after all my concussions but um <laughs> i would i would imagine it's it's pretty intimidating uh that first day i mean you're a young you're a young guy you have only been the assistant coach you walk in and it's like you have all these ideas and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, here's, here's the wheel, steer the ship. And it's just like so many decisions and things you have to make. And you're the guy in charge that has to answer for it all. So I'm sure quite the, uh, the learning experience. What was, if you could pick one thing, maybe the, the biggest or, you know, thing you, you found out about being the, the head coach instead of being the assistant coach, what was that? Well, for one, it's not so easy like you think it is, um, you know, and I think that you realize why certain decisions are made when you didn't understand them before as a player or sometimes an assistant, because there are many other forces that you're dealing with that have nothing to do with the game. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, when you, what I learned is you develop the right culture and the right environment where it, you have to develop trust with the players and with your staff so that you can make those decisions and everyone just to be able to move on and get on with it because they trust you. So if you don't develop like a really good trust and trust is built up through honesty and through like, I think people knowing who you really are as a person and through letting people in and being vulnerable, but then also through competency. So if you develop trust through those two things through, okay, you know, through the ability to coach well and through those other things I just mentioned, then being able to just to make those decisions without like you have to make decisions without weighing what the response is going to be from the group. Because if you do that, you make bad decisions, but first to make, to be able to do that, you need to develop trust. And so I did know that going in, like I knew that concept. And so that really helped me make a lot of difficult decisions that I really had to clean house um, and just change a lot of things. And what I learned early on there is that like, you can be the strongest personality, the strongest, or you think strongest leader, but 
the only possible way to do it is to have the right people, the right players in the bus. You can't force through force of will to change people to be a different way. You need your people. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I learned because you, sometimes as a coach, you think that you, you can be the one to change this guy. You can be the guy that like saves this guy's career. And this is pretty arrogant things. Like, wait, 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 this guy has been this way at six different places and you think you're, you have the magic potion and it's pretty arrogant. So I learned that early on and it's like, you seem to get the right people on the bus and be humble and know that you need the right people around you. And so um, I probably did that too slowly um, is to not rock the boat too much. But once that got going, it was, it was, it was pretty special, but you know, to reap the rewards of the last three or four years, you know, the first couple, even the results in the field were always good. Like the first couple were super, like extremely trying personally, but they were very, very hard um, being still a young man. You know, I'm in my mid twenties. So yeah. What, what did you, what did you do to kind of get your mind off of that at times? Cause if you just sit and think about those things, it'll eat you alive. What was your kind of escape that you used? You know, that's a great question. Cause I don't, and I'm still, I know, I didn't really have one, Matt. And that's the thing is like, I am like, I love, I love what I do. I love my profession. And so it does like my, the thing about me is that like, I do live it. I live the season. I live it. Um, but I think what really helped me was that's when I started to, you know, my wife and I had a family. And so um, just having a family just grounded me. So during difficult moments, when you come home and you just have like just little kids that love you for no reason, um, it really helped. So just having a family, um, having a, a supportive a wife who understands, it doesn't have to always ask about it, but just gets it. Um, so she's an amazing coach's wife. She just gets it. And um, there's just a good balance between talking about things and then just living a different life because coaching can be consuming. So I think the just build, you know, starting our own family was very helpful for me. It also changed me, it relaxed me, which I needed to be relaxed. Um, that was a very good thing for me. Um, it, it, not to say I've changed, like I still like the, the intensity I bring to my job is still very defining for me in a way that it needs to be like, that's my personality, but it has relaxed me. So I just I can let things go. So I just say having a family was, was extremely just good for me, um, as a person, therefore a coach. So yeah, um, th those were good. And that, you know, it took it, I would say all those things played into it, but I think again, the thing that that made it the best was once I got the the plus the right the right men to come into the program like they did more than anything I'd say yeah so you I mean you obviously you grew quite uh, a strong program there um the last couple of years very successful um at that point are you at all thinking you know maybe maybe I'm gonna stay here a while I've you know, I've turned this program around, we can just be a powerhouse and continue to, to build upon that? Or are you feeling the itch to kind of test some, some deeper waters? Yeah, I try to answer this, like, because when people have asked me that, I try to answer honestly, because, you know, like, in psychology, you can create like a narrative after the fact. And like, when in fact, in what I remember is, is not really having those plans. I'm very much just like, I have many weaknesses, but one of my strengths is I am able just to stay in the moment and just, and just do, just love what I'm doing. And that's very important to me. So I was so invested in that program. And then we, you know, the culture became so strong and we had really good teams and it was just fun and just a lot of like real, like rich, like things going on that I loved. And 
But at the same time, what really helped me is in the summers, I was coaching Lancer United in the PDL. And so that, that gave me a great, if I didn't have that, I think it'd have been more difficult because for me, college, college soccer just wasn't enough. Like August through November national tournament or December, what, what, it's just not enough. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just like, it just wasn't enough. So really the summer, um, my summertime with Lancer United was helpful because it let me coach some elite players, you know, guys that would get drafted and guys that were, so it, and, and I'll say this, looking back, what Lansing United helped me the most with was, you know, when you go from college to professional, the, the whole almost like power changes. So in college coaches have unrealistic amount of power. It's dumb. It's stupid. They, they hold the scholarships over the place, like choose to, you can be a tyrant and it's a terrible, terrible thing. And coaches, I think, don't in that world don't understand that that's not normal and then we go into the professional world like the players have a lot more and that's good it's like more of a healthy balance depending on the culture and the pdl is even more like that because they could just leave at any time like yeah. if the players don't like it they're just like yeah i'm good i'll just go, go home so it was great for me to coach in an environment where like it has to be like a collective like you, you have to create such buy-in from the group and from individuals for just for their own selfish benefit. So that was a great like training ground for like four, three, four years of doing that every summer and just kind of building that, that skill, that muscle of like, and that you change as a coach. Um, and yeah, just how to play with maybe some, you know, some, you know, you play in some great games, great environments, like a way to Detroit city. Like it's a really great, you know, it's a professional, mm-hmm. professional game. Yeah. So uh, doing that was was really helpful during my college years and obviously that became kind of the road in which that led me elsewhere yeah and then so Lansing uh, has a PDL team Lansing decides to go professional um, I I don't know the process exactly of how it came to pass that you were named the head coach um, I'm sure you know when I heard that they were going professional my mind automatically thought oh there's a good chance that they're going to name you but what was it like um, what was that process like? What was it like to be offered your first professional head coaching job? Oh man, yeah. So there's a lot here. Um, like I, I, I wasn't supposed to get that job. So in fact, I wasn't the first choice. I was. Um, they they had, were trying to get. So it was totally new ownership. So it was basically right away. I think people from the outside thought I would get, it and I was like, oh, new ownership, like no way. Um, because you looked around the league and they were just hiring a lot of ex us men's national team players to do this. And the person that had been offered that job was one of those guys that everyone probably listened to this would know who that person is. And once I heard that was happening, I was like, okay, that's it. And just, you know, I had to become at peace with it. And that like three week span was good for me. I was like, okay, I, I can be happy, you know, just doing this. And then some things changed there. There was some problems, you know, professional soccer stuff, contracts, all this stuff. And then, uh, and then I get, and then I get the opportunity to, to interview. And I think it was a courtesy. Um, and then the owner, yeah, just went, went well. And so um, then next thing you know, I have that opportunity, but there was also another opportunity at the time, which made it complicated. Um, so yeah, I kind of took, kind of took a big risk and people, you know, are like, well, why is that a big risk? Well, because a lot of the reasons that club doesn't exist now are, were some of my fears. So, you know, you, even though people are like, why would you not take that chance? Well, it's like college is very um, stable 
and mm -hmm. I have a young family of three. So we sell our house, buy a house. And then in a year that club no longer exists. So I'm sure you asked about that, but so there was actually a lot of fear, but I was like, okay, this, this could go a different way. Um, and so there was a lot behind that and a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that I'm not even allowed to, to talk about, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good thing, even though at the time I it didn't feel like a good thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, from the, from the outside of being in the footballing world, that's a, a huge risk that you took because again, I, in the U S a first year club, anything can happen as, yeah. as we'll get into a little bit, but, um, I think, you know, I, we've had some of your former players on, um, and we've just kind of, we've discussed things of the season. Um, so a lot of your, your players were new, um, younger professional players, but, and that's, that's an experience for a player because now, as we were talking earlier, you go from a college season, that's two and a half, three months. Now you're in an eight month and it's, it's a completely different thing. Um, but also for a coach, it's a big difference of just how to program and everything. And now the guys are getting paid and this is their their, you know, their way they support their family instead of just something some of them do for fun at university. Um, what was the, the most challenging thing for you the, the first year that you, pro that you weren't prepared for? Uh, the, the most challenging thing that I was not prepared for was how to handle like negative things that happened at the club that you had nothing to do with, but I had to kind of be the front man for. That's hard because you just want to go to the players and be like, this is a bunch of bull. Like I don't, but you can't like to be a good leader and to, to lead a club the right way. Like you're the most influential person at the club and you can't, you have to have pure motives. That was hard because a lot of things happened. I totally disagree, but I hated. And I had to be like, hey, this is what's going on without, oh, sorry. Yeah, because, or else you just end up giving excuses to the players. And so that was hard. Um, the, another challenging thing was, but that was so good for me was obviously you go into a locker room day one and everyone knows you're a first year professional coach. So like, they're not just going to be like, yeah, whatever you, you know, so. So it was definitely more, it was a great opportunity to like believe. And I think maybe people thought outside thought I would change. I was just myself. We played the same brand of football that I've been bringing to all my teams. Um, and I knew it would take time. And so I go in there knowing, okay, this is going to take time. We're not going to be amazing right away. I think that we can be pretty good, even though like our payroll was, was, was not near the top. And so I was like, okay. And, and so getting the buy-in from the players again, but I did it the same way I did it as a college coach was like treat them as players, as people first, players second. And a lot of them though, as you know, in the call, in the professional world are already jaded. So they're very not trusting of anyone trying to like be friendly with them or whatever. Um, but then just through competency. And I think players know, players know what's real and what's fake. Players know what's a facade and what's real. Um, so, but I give all the credit is to the players because they were really willing and really great characters. And I'm sure if, the guys that you've spoken to would always talk about the strength of that locker room. Um, very, very strong locker room um, led by guys that I'll be forever grateful and indebted to like Brandon Fricky and guys like that who, who were so strong in difficult situations. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And, but I also look, I also knew what I was and what it wasn't. So 
having all those young pros was for a reason because I knew I couldn't just bring in a bunch of like 30 year olds and for that to work with me being, you know, them being my age, like that wouldn't work. So, <laughs> so part, a lot of that was intentional. Like the types of guys we brought in, I knew we'd be able to work together well. So um, yeah. And it kind of started with like signing Xavier Gomez was like, this is the type of team I want us to be, you know, like this is the type of player. It was kind of like an example, kind of like a message of like, this is going to be our football. The guy that plays both ways is creative, but, just such a hard worker he's a grinder but very like kind of understated like everyone around him always says how talented he is but for some reason he hasn't made it to the top so that those are the kind of guys we went with and then it was pretty cool because nine nine rookies on opening day to win against Richmond and that was pretty sweet like nine rookies and I was so happy after that game because me Joel and TD were like man we just give like nine guys a professional debut and and they won like that's really awesome so I look back and just being super happy for those guys. I have a, a player on my squad that went to Butler during like Ricky's time and all. And so we all trained together back in the day um, at Bridges and all. Who's that? Who's that? Uh, Michael Kozelik. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, but, so we, uh, we always watch the Lansing highlights because we know like, you know, everyone in the organization, it seems we trade with and stuff. Yeah, so there's incredible. a lot of guys. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I think it. I think it's ironic. Uh, you and I were both starting at a new club, and both of us kind of started out slow, but both uh, were putting kind of. Well, for me, it was changing the way that they had played in the past. For you, it's you know bringing a new style to a new team, um, and then around the same time, for both of us, we hit like a switch where they, you know, it came together and the the process kind of started showing the the results of the hard work and belief in the system. Um, what, what do you think was the, the switch for you guys? Um, was there ever self doubt before that, that maybe I should change some things, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. If there's never any self doubt, I think you're either lying to yourself or you're crazy um that, that's just yeah or maybe maybe people are stronger than me but of course I mean especially because you know yeah you're on like a long road trip back I remember being on a long flight back from Tucson like probably when we were just we had just played really poorly just really poorly and I was like oh man but I knew that like because I'd seen this kind of progression before I knew that a lot of the things that we need to do just took really good habits and, and really good belief and just a lot of details and so I doubted, but I never, I never considered changing course. So I never considered like, I doubt I was like, oh man, maybe we're just not good enough. Cause this league, people don't realize how good the, like there's real players, really good yeah. teams. And so, um, I, yeah, I doubted at times, but at the same time, I believe we'd get better. I knew we'd get better. I didn't know necessarily how good, cause that was going to depend on the group and a lot of factors. Um, and you know, one big factor for us was getting Steph Cleveland on loan because we needed like an elite goalkeeper. So I, he gets, a, I think he was really important, but um, yeah. So I think of course I doubted, but then I think going through that struggle made that, you know, last half of the season when we just went on fire and, you know, didn't lose for three months, all this stuff, just that much better because it's not like we just went coast to coast and just crushed everybody like um, and had, you know, it, it, it really made it sweet because I think the players then too, these young guys that now have all moved on, I think eight of them are in the cha USL championship now, like all have a lot, like 
rich lessons to take. They know what it's like to struggle. They just know what it's kind of, they know what it's like to turn it around. They know what it's like to be in the team, not in the team. And then like be a part of a successful team. Some of them know what it's like to be like Kyle. I think you spoke to him. He knows what it's like to be in a really good team to deserve to play every game, but not to that's hard. man. And I give him a mm. lot of credit. Um, Cause those things are difficult. And then as a coach, how to deal with players that deserve to be playing, but you can't play them. Those things are difficult. And so I think that that year had like, was like five years of like lessons and experience all in one. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. We, our team, we didn't do as well. We only went on the two month on, on the street. So not, not <laughs> as awesome. good, but um, that's awesome. like, a, a side note. I think that's one of the, the most uh, or hardest things as a coach is when you have a player that you love and you want to have on the field, but there's just only so many spots and that you can't get them the minutes that they deserve. I think that's just so, so difficult as a yeah. coach. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know about you, but for me, that one's difficult. But for me, the hardest one is telling like the last couple of players not in the team. So like on a Thursday, if we're traveling on a Friday and you, I tell them personally, like that's, that's the worst. Um, I hate telling a player, Hey, you're not going to be involved at all. And that's, those are the worst. Th those are the things where like people don't tell you like what coaching is going to be like. No one talks about that. That's the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, that is not fun either. <laughs> those are probably the two, yeah. the two worst. <laughs> yeah. um, so so then you're you're building you see the the results of kind of your grinding and your philosophy changing paving a new way um i'm sure at that point and not that i don't want to get into this so much because i'm sure you've relived it a thousand times but you're i'm sure looking forward to the future year seeing that you have a lot of potential to build something here um and then Obviously, the, the club tells you they're no longer going to operate at the end of the season, but you're informed well before the season ends and have to sit with that while also coaching the guys and keeping them motivated and not telling them. Um, I would just imagine as a first-year coach, there's so many things on the field that you're trying to figure out with players that to have something like that um, kind of looming over your shoulder was very challenging. Yeah, extremely. I mean, I think it's what everyone thinks of and more because you're also at the same time, you're thinking about, you know, I remember the first time I came home and told my wife what was going on and she's like, we like literally just bought this house. And it's just like, that's, that's real life stuff. And so when people get upset, oh, this team folded and that, it's like, man, like me and my staff, like we all moved, moved here, bought homes. Like that's real life stuff. So here's the thing with knowing that it was going before the players. I actually wasn't told till very much later than I think people think I just knew like I could see I could see certain things happening at the club that you're like well I know this is an expansion team but that doesn't seem normal like we should conversations about next year there should be budget talks about next year um <laughs> why have two ticket people who've been let go not been replaced like these are things that you're like uh <laughs> so so it's like I kind of understood what was going on um without anybody telling me and so I but it so that was like a, a daily like work of discipline to not change demeanor or my attitude with the players um, because I knew they had we we really had something special so we want to achieve our goals but also for their sake 
and for their futures, they need to not think about that so they could then increase their value for next year. So I, I, and I said this to the team, like in that, that Monday, literally like we lost on a Saturday and in the, in the playoffs and on a Monday, they tell them, which they had to. And, uh, and then I speak at the very end. I say, listen, guys, like, cause this is maybe the last time I see some of these players. Many of them came over to my house like that week, but I'm like, I might never see these guys ever again. I said, listen, like right now, this seems like it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you, but because of your guys' performance and how you've done this year to some of you guys, this is actually a big gift. You don't understand that now, but you're a free agent because these guys mm-hmm. had played extremely well. Had they, These were guys who had, very little value to be honest before the season and increase their value a ton. So say someone like Nick Moon, he was a year out of football, like went to college, didn't play, comes here and just crushes it. And now like we have an option on him. Of course, like there were teams trying to buy Nick. Well, I don't know what was going to happen. We were going to do the best thing, the right thing for him, no doubt. But now all of a sudden he's a free agent. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, like he, that's a really good, as you know, so after coming off like a, a year where you're one of the best players in the league, like that's a really good thing for a player like him. So they didn't understand at the time, but then I think light bulbs started to go off for these guys like, oh, this is really good. Now for some it wasn't it was tough, right? Because, you know, maybe this they're not gonna get another chance. But for some, and that's really difficult, but for some it was really good. Um, even though they had such a great time at Lansing that we all wanted to go again because we all thought we could just win it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just tough. We all hold that experience, I think, all very fondly. Um, and yeah, and we we had like a a, a Zoom call weeks ago. We all got on and, and chatted and hung out, which he led that, which was which was fun. But nice. yeah, it, it, that was difficult for those players. There's no doubt. Did you did you personally have any any doubts during that time of I I should have stayed with Spring Arbor? No. No, I mean, at like a basic needs perspective, I was like, oh man. But I knew because of feeling living it every day, I moved. I had faith that the next opportunity would come, and already things were starting to happen because like news kind of got out, and and it became much more like, okay, two things: what's the best thing for my family? Like, how how can this work? And two the biggest issue the, the, what really hurt me all the time was my staff because they had just as much to do with the success and and they had all moved too and from their p- previous positions so that was so difficult for me because one decision would would be okay this would involve my staff this one would have to involve some of my staff this would involve none of my staff and that was a just being totally honest here that was a huge burden Something, something you never thought when getting into head coaching that that would be a decision <laughs> that would be a part of it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because um, obviously it's the same. I mean, it's a similar situation as with, you know, players in that sense is the, the top players. It's a gift in some ways because you have an opportunity to go and, you know, move up without getting a second year contract or something. Same with a coaching staff from the top. They're going to most likely get, the first choices and then with assistance it's you know it's just a flip of a coin if they can come or what so obviously not not fun I remember telling my parents when it happened and they they felt very bad about it but I mean that's 
part the reality is is it happens a lot in soccer in the u.s especially and that's part of being a professional athlete or coach and one of the risks that's involved in it yeah no doubt and, and i knew that like when you know theoretically oh there's a risk that i didn't think it was full you know there's a much bigger risk that you get let go in, in professional football but you never actually think it's going to happen like nine months later so yeah it's learned learned a lot for sure yeah yeah and then, um, you know, you're getting different options. The opportunity to go to San Diego Loyal opens up. What about that job specifically were you like, yes, that's the one I want because you're taking a different role now going back to an assistant coach for the first time in many years. Um, you also, I think, based on what you went through the last nine months before that, probably know better questions to ask in an interview to kind of feel out where where a club is going or an organization yeah yeah that's good yeah because when it comes to this kind of stuff it becomes less interview and more just your meeting and you're trying to see but i think that look i definitely i mean definitely lancing how that went down left to scar I, I i'll say good ownership was a huge part of like because I, we just couldn't, I couldn't just keep moving my family all the time. I know some coaches do it like without their family, they just go do this and that. But like we made the decisions, doesn't mean it's right, wrong, or otherwise. Out, my wife and kids would always come with and we would mm -hmm. do it. And so with that comes, okay, like this can't, I don't just go somewhere with a ton of risk again. It all has risk. And so being somewhere where like there was vision to a club and there was a plan and there was something, you know, really did enjoy building something from the start. And so coming to another um, expansion team, what was exciting because I, I you know, there's people here that were like really, really good people, really smart with good resources. So that was a big part of it. Another part was, look, other opportunities, like you start to realize like, man, maybe this place is, sounds good now, but when you get there as things, as you know, sometimes things are different than they were then they were laid out to you. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to be very careful of these things. Um, and so for me, look, obviously, you know, Landon being here is a huge, is a huge deal. And for me at first, it was like, wow. I mean, just like all of us, wow, that's Landon Donovan. I have to consider this. But then when I met him, it changed everything because he's a very humble person. He's a very empathetic person. And those two qualities, I think are the two most important things to be a head coach. So I was like, okay, I, I visited here three or four times and it went really well. And I, it was just a matter of both of us making sure that our visions of a leadership and actually running a club and everyday work was the same. And then obviously the football. And so what his strengths are and what my strengths are and the rest of the staff really matched up well. And, you know, he's an excellent man manager and he brought someone in to do, you know, to, to be the one on the grass. And that's what I love to do is just being on the field with players. So it's a good fit. I'm very thankful to him. Um, Warren Smith, the founder, you know, Andrew, the owner, um, are very, very good people. So for a lot of reasons, it, and you know, it's also San Diego is not so bad as far as the city. Not a bad place. <laughs> not so bad. So that was nice. I'm not going to lie that that made some, a bit of a difference, but um, you know, somewhere when things get difficult that, that, you know, there's like a, a a path forward and like look at us now you know like a lot of clubs things are very difficult now and at san diego not to say that they're not difficult they are um but the decisions and how people make decisions like they're logical they're with compassion they're with professionalism 
And so when things like this happen that are unprecedented, this is where you find out if you're at the right club. And, and now I know I'm at the right club. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool too, that obviously uh, he's a newer coach um, as well. And so then you have, you know, I think it's, it's different to be an assistant for a newer head coach than if he had been a head coach for 20 years. Um, and so I think sure. it's, it's cool that, you know, you can, you can be in a new environment and kind of grow it together, obviously. Um, and, and with different input, uh, and that you complement each other with the, the skill sets and allowing you to be, as you say, on the grass with the guys. Um, I think it's, it's very cool that, you know, you look back two summers ago, you're PDL traveling. I mean, I assume you're in like the vans doing the terrible travel. Then the next year it's like, all right, we're USL one, we're traveling, but like, planes but it's terrible time or buses like long trips <laughs> and now like you're at the next step up of uh usl championship which is you know much more professionally run in the way it it takes care of things um how how fun has that been for you has that because obviously like coaching is coaching but there's other factors that involve the enjoyment of coaching at a specific place yeah there's no doubt like some things here and, and one of the things like Landon found out very early on how the the structure of the environment and the day-to-day -day was so important to me so when I visited the last time and he showed me where we were going to train our home base was just the Chula Vista Elite Training Center it is world-class I mean so MLS teams come there to do preseason so like little things that they that they that San Diego has here in place that might seem little are huge deals for people like me and for players. Like you want to go somewhere where it is an elite training environment and all those little touches and details are things that like I, I value greatly, um, not value more than the people I'm with, the culture that I'm in, but they all play into the culture. So they kind of work both ways. And so, um, yeah, that was very, very important to me. But at the end of the day, you know, you like, I'm no, I'll say this, Matt, like I'm not any happier now was coaching at spring arbor with those guys like my happiness my enjoyment is the same it is different it's um it's different there's things that are, are better but there's also things that that aren't and it's just i've learned through this that like bigger isn't always better i, I still have a, a, a desire and a passion to coach the best players i possibly can um and that is just something i enjoy doing but um yeah i mean it is it is a step up and everything but at the same time it's still the usl you know and like it's still USL and even like MLS, like they still fly coach, you know, like what the heck, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's how it is. And like, but those things aren't what bring me enjoyment. If, if you're doing, if you're in coaching for, to be, to have like, to be pampered, to have like um, conveniences, you're in the wrong profession because you work a ton and you go through very low moments. So for me, again, it's about the players and Landon's done an amazing job and the, the rest of the staff of bringing in people who are, just high quality people. We have some great, great guys in our locker room. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's incredible. I think that obviously as you were talking about, like it's a, looking back on it, you could be like, oh yeah, of course. Like I was gonna give up my job and start at an <laughs> NAS school as an assistant coach. And now eight years later, you know, coaching with Landon Donovan in the USL championship. Obviously at that point wasn't even a dream because the championship wasn't even around as a club. Um, <laughs> But I think it, I think it's just so, so fascinating um, and such a, a cool story. What, 
obviously, you know, there's things with any job, any coaching, any playing, things outside of your control that lead to where you end up. But what what has been for you the ability to continue to grow, continue to grow at a fast rate um, and continue to, you know, gain knowledge and information that's put you in a good position to succeed? Yeah, look, I don't think I'm like smarter than anyone or anything like that. I just think that like I am, I am a learner. Like I do want to learn. I'll never stop wanting to learn. And so that I think maybe my biggest strength is that I know that like I don't know a lot of things. And so maybe me not having like this illustrious playing career and this is illustrious background has actually and things that like have annoyed me about, man, if I'd have done this right after college, that would have helped me and all these things. But like, I've learned that like, those are like the strength of mine is that I don't have that to fall back on. I don't have this, like do this because I used to do that or anything like that. Um, and by the way, that's something I love about Landon. Like he never pulls that card with our players. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing. So he, I think that th those are because I've always had to like get it right because I've always had to like learn it, learn correctly, be creative that I've never just, I think it, you know, if you have this like illustrious background, there's a potential to be lazy there and just fall back on what you did. And like, I don't have that. I don't have that luxury. So it's always a, a drive forward to learn to better myself um, because of course I'm always going to be questioned, you know? And so those are, that's helped me. It's made me stronger. It's made me only worry about like how I am with my players, with my team right now. And so that definitely quest for to, to learn has been, I'm a learner. I, I read a lot. I, I do a lot of things that just because I, I want to improve. And um, I, 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 I hope, I know I'll be doing that my whole career. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that is kind of like in you that you just, you either want to keep learning or you're okay getting to a certain spot and being like, okay, I'm, I'm good. now. So. Yeah. Complacency is the, the death of it. Yeah. Right? That's um, right. Yeah. It reminds me of a story that Brett Hall always talks about, and this is in regards to players, but this is one I can actually share online that's clean enough. Um, <laughs> but he talks about he talks about coal miners, and he's like, you know, they have to get up and work six days a week, 12 hours a day. They don't have a choice. You know, then talking about how footballers will complain that they're tired and this and that. And he's like, that's because you have the choice. When you don't have the choice, so kind of in your sense, like maybe you don't have the illustrious career you don't have that choice to lean back on that and you have to just grind every day to continue to prove you deserve to be there in a sense yeah for sure I think that that's exactly right and I think early on in my days I was doing it as like a prove it and now it's more of like a um yeah more of a curiosity and a desire to be better and I've kind of been able to and I think that's common from as you just grow up is just not having to like always prove people wrong or whatever it's not about that for me it's about knowing that like I've realized that like, man, like I don't, uh, when you're wrong as a coach, that feeling, you never want to be wrong again. <laughs> like it sucks. <laughs> so, so I think having the humility to know that you always need to be, to be curious and to be improving, um, is, is so important. And yeah, like what we do for a living, Matt is like, is such a, like a unique and, and it's something so unique and amazing that we, we can't, we can't take that for granted. Yeah. I, I have two final questions. Number one is, if you could go back to first preseason, we're doing that modified beat test across the field, 
running thing at seven in the morning to start uh, your first assistant coaching job, go back to yourself at that point. What would be the biggest uh, advice you would give yourself if you could give yourself one thing? First of all, those beep deaths weren't my choice, but um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> biggest advice. Ooh, that is difficult. Um, yeah, I would say just take the greatest care of surrounding yourself with the best people you can. Um, I am just like, and, and, and I mean, that is people um, because I've had the amazing benefit of being surrounded by amazing people, trustworthy people, loyal people. And then I've also through this process have, have been surrounded by people who aren't. Um, and it's humbling because you realize how much of your success or how much of the things that don't go well are, are, are things outside your control. So you have to take the greatest amount of care and seek the greatest amount of wisdom to, to bring people around you, to choose to be around people who, you, who, who are great, great. Um, that is the biggest thing. And never did an opportunity because the allure is so great. And, you know, and, and even though maybe the people involved aren't, you know, great. So I, I think that that is the biggest thing. Um, and I'm still, still always learning that. And now fitting you're at a club called the oil. So that's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the other question I have for you is what is the, obviously there's a lot of different aspects I'm sure you enjoy about coaching like anyone does, but what's kind of the, the passion, the why behind why you're willing to, you know, now it's still grind. Not to say it's not, you're, you're obviously you're in a professional environment. It's a lot different than when you're an assistant coach in the middle of Indiana, but that passion was there. Um, when you're not making good money, you're not working good hours, you're, you're doing a lot of grunt work. What, what's the passion, the reason behind coaching for you? Yeah, it hundred percent. It was, and will always remain to be my relationships with the, um, I love, um, and that was something that I want. I, I asked a lot of people, mentors of mine, like, can you still have those types of relationships that I value so much? with professional footballers. And the answer was like, from people I trust was like, yeah, it's a big misconception. Like you can, you absolutely can. Um, it's not just this big, cold, hard world out there that you know, it's not like that. Like you really can, because that's up to you, you know, just because it doesn't happen that often doesn't mean that's the way it should be. So um, it really is the relationship. Like it's the moments with the players, the memories I have are like, you know, on like a, a late night, flight home after after a win or a hard loss you know those like a long conversation with the player on a plane or a bus ride like these are the things um going through big life moments of theirs um like you know your first ever professional game things that are like really important to them um seeing players that come from different backgrounds make their families so proud um like seeing i remember seeing one of my players at a game family had come from very far away and just crying and hugging them like these are the things that like make me happy like so like helping players like achieve things that like they've always dreamt of that's a special thing and like a sacred thing so I love that um I, I really do that that is that is what I love is for me it's always person over player um and for me that's that's kind of the the most joy I get out of coaching and I truly mean that. I really, I mean, the wins are, you know, the, the, the moments are amazing, but 
um, they're nothing in comparison to those things. Yeah, I mean, MCC championships are nice, but relationships are a little better. <laughs> they are, um, they are. They're but all the but I, think, I think that that answer there shows why you've had so much success um, in your career. I think that if you just go out and care just about wins and losses and results very quickly, you're not going to end up getting the wins and you're going to get the losses because it is a relationship business and it is caring about your players and watching them grow. And that is going to build a much stronger locker room and a locker room that they're willing to run through a brick wall for you and for each other. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I'm sure you're, you're learning that now. So it's awesome. man. Yeah. I appreciate you taking time to, uh, to catch up a little bit and share some of your just insights and all again, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been fun to see you grow from, you know, having to coach guys like me to getting to coach some top level athletes. <laughs> You're doing it, man. It's exciting to see what you've done. So keep up the good work. And yeah, hopefully you can get some more uh, worthy people to be on this podcast than me. So <laughs> 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 it must be really late over there in Finland. So thanks for staying yeah. up. It's only 10. It's early still. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Thanks, man. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. All right, man.